Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. partner and welcome to not just the sports report today it is time for me to jump into game three state of origin the decider tomorrow night at suncorp stadium we've seen the first two games but now it is all down to game three in brisbane plenty to play for a lot of interesting things team wise with a couple of uh exclusions from the Maroon side due to COVID, and of course some interesting selections from the New South Wales Blues. So I'm going to jump into it. Today won't be a very long one. It's going to be quite a quick origin preview, and then tomorrow night we can launch straight into the game. So game three, definitely going to be a good one. Of course, we saw in game one the Queensland Maroons getting a huge upset victory over the Blues in Sydney. Not a lot of people saw that coming, myself included. So all of a sudden, a very interesting start to the Origin series, one that many people believed New South Wales were going to get through easily. And yeah, it just didn't go that way. So a huge performance in Game 1. We saw a lot of debutantes shine for the Maroons as well. Names like Pat Carrigan, Ruben Cotter, and Selwyn Cobbo as well as Jeremiah Nanai. So we've kind of seen this new direction that the Maroons are moving under with the new coach of Billy Slater, who he's been there, he's done that, he's played at the highest level, including being part of one of the greatest, sorry, being part of the greatest origin run we have ever seen. So Billy Slater got his hands on the team, didn't waste much time bringing in some fresh blood and It paid dividends immediately with the Maroons taking a 1-0 series lead. That was until the game took itself to Perth. Um, That was a totally different story. Very close first half. Second half couldn't have been more of a blowout. In the end, Blues absolutely running away with it. Nathan Cleary scoring more points than the Maroons did themselves. And now we head to game three, the decider all on the line, Billy Slater's Maroons up against Brad Fittler's Blues, and it's going to be one hell of a game tomorrow night. So what I'm going to do firstly is check out the team lists, um, and yeah, plenty of news surrounding the teams as well. I'll just quickly pull it up. Now we've got the Maroons. They've named Tom Dearden in the number six jersey. Of course, Cameron Munster and Murray Towlingy being omitted due to COVID. So originally they were named. They've had to withdraw from the game. Huge news, which I will touch on in a moment. But firstly, let me jump through the teams, starting with the home side, the Queensland Maroons. We've got Callan Ponga at fullback. On the wings, Selwyn Cobbo and Corey Oates, who, as I mentioned, Murray Towlingy out with COVID. So Corey Oates getting a very well-deserved recall. A lot of people had him in their game one side, and if they didn't have him in the game one side, they had him in the game two side. And then after that loss, well, plenty of people had him in their game three side, and he still wasn't selected. The Maroons clearly looking to go for a future-based approach and blood some of these young guys like Murray Taolangi and Selwyn Cobbo. But now Corey Oates, he's getting his chance 
a very well-earned redemption arc for a player who's clearly worked very hard in the off-season. He said himself his kind of work ethic over the last few years wasn't where it needed to be. Now we see, once Corey Oates applies himself, just how far he can go and a very well-deserved recall into the Origin arena. In the centres, two very proven stars for Queensland, Valentine Holmes and Dane Gagai, who is coming off a very poor game defensively. In game two, he was absolutely torn to shreds. I'm expecting a much better showing from Origin Gags this weekend, although I guess Wednesday is not on the weekend. Um, I digress anyway. In the halves, Tom Dearden and Daly Cherry Evans. Will they go with that starting halves combination? Or will Ben Hunt start in the number six jersey? Well, we're going to have to wait and see. I will touch on that in a moment as well. In the Ford pack for Queensland, we have the Roosters, Lindsay Collins and Josh Papali'i, with Ben Hunt starting in the number nine. Although, as I said, we're going to have to wait and see exactly what happens there. In the back row, Kurt Capewell and Jeremiah Nanai getting called into the starting squad. There were a few question marks surrounding that, just given that Nanai didn't play his best game in Game 2, but I actually really like it. He's been killing it for the Cowboys this year, starting in the back row, so to me it makes sense to just promote him into the starting side. I know you've got someone like Jai Arrow, um, but yeah, I think it makes sense. Jeremiah Nanai seems like one of these pieces of the puzzle that they can build around for the next few years. And yeah, I'm keen to see what he can do in the starting side. Tino Fasua Malawi starts at lock forward. And on the interchange bench, Harry Grant in the number 14, Jai Arrow, Patrick Carrigan, and Tom Gilbert, named to make his origin debut. Found out he's only 21. I thought he was like 40. Holy shit. So yeah, this guy is young. He's an untapped talent. Off to the Dolphins next year, but he has been ripping and tearing for the Cowboys this year. Mainly plays on an edge, but can also play in the middle, so his versatility is something that the Maroons can definitely lean on. And it's awesome to see Tom Gilbert, someone who has really worked hard. He wasn't given anything. There was, you know, he's not one of these players where it was like, okay, Tom Gilbert, yeah, this was always coming. This was always on the radar. Like, as early as a week out from the team lists being named, Tom Gilbert wasn't even really on my radar. So it goes to show you just how hard this guy has worked. His form absolutely warrants selection. And I'm really keen to see how Tom Gilbert goes on debut for the Queenslanders. Taking a look at the extended squad, so guys who won't be playing unless there is an injury or something of that effect, we've got Tom Flegler in the number 18 and Hamaso Tabuai Fido in the number 21 jersey. So they're there just in case there's, I guess they're required if someone gets injured uh, leading up to the game, or if we see three or more HIAs or a foul play, well, that will let Tom Flegler, the 18th man, enter the game. Let's get on to New South Wales side now, led by the captain, their fullback, James Tedesco. On the wings, Daniel Tupo and Brian Toto. Now, if you listen to my origin review, you would know that a huge reason, other than Nathan Cleary, that the Blues got the job done last time out was their back three. The meters, the tackle busts, it was out of control. Queensland just could not stop them. And once again, a major key for the New South Wales Blues side is going to be their back three. Tedesco, Toto, and Daniel Tupo. few premierships there amongst the three of them as well. 
Speaking of premierships, the reigning premiership winning center combination, although last year Stephen Crichton was a winner on the wing, we have Stephen Crichton and Matt Burton now at the Bulldogs, but of course Dallium center of the year last year with the Penrith Panthers. We've got Jerome Luai and Nathan Cleary in the halves. In the front row, Jake Trebojevic and Jacob Saifidi, a very well-earned debut. We of course know that his twin brother Daniel has already entered the Origin Arena, has already played a handful of games for the Blues. Now it is Jacob's turn who he's obviously seen his twin brother reach these great heights. Now he's gone away, worked on his game, has been one of the night's best in a pretty dire season as well. Very, very well earned debut. And I'm interested to see how Jacob Saifidi goes getting the start for the Blues. Jake Trebojevic, the other prop, and Arpi Korosau in the number nine. We, of course, saw Freddie Fittler make that change last game, starting Damian Cook on the bench and opting to start Arpi, which worked really, really well last time out, albeit that Arpi didn't have like a huge bearing on the result. But I think it was more of a subtle effect. His combinations with those Panthers players cannot be understated, and Arpi Korosau the most dangerous dummy half in the game when it comes to identifying when the defensive line is out of shape and when to make an attacking play. So RP is definitely going to keep the Queensland defensive line on their toes. And of course, Damian Cook in that number 14 to come on and alleviate any of that pressure should RP tire. In the back row, we've got Cameron Murray, who I did hear there were some question marks around him, but he's been named to play, so it looks like he's all good to go. And Liam Martin in the other back row position. In the lock forward jersey, Isaiah Yo, who is such a critical part, not just of this Panthers side, but the Blues side as well. So those combinations definitely coming into effect. Let's not forget, he is that link man between Jerome Luai and Nathan Cleary. So I think a big reason as to why the Blues struggled in game one was that we saw Isaiah Yo get concussed in the very opening stages of the game. And whilst he stayed out there, he didn't have quite the same impact. So we saw in game two, once he was fully fit, just how much of a difference he can make. And most definitely Isaiah Yo, he's that link man. He's kind of the glue that holds this attacking weapon that is the Penrith Panthers juggernaut together. So Isaiah Yo, a huge part of the Blues team. And on the bench, Damian Cook, Angus Crichton, Junior Paolo and C.O.C. Fatalikai keeping his spot on that bench. That was a point of contention. A lot of people mentioning Jack Whiten, who's been named in the number 18 jersey here. Still questions. Do we see any changes before kickoff? I hope not. Jack Whiten is actually one of my favorite players in the game, but C. Fatalikai is a wrecking ball. Like, I'd be happy as a Queensland fan if they don't play Talakai. I know that his involvement was limited in his debut, but I think he'll be a lot more required in a game like this. And whilst he can cover the centers and back row, I wouldn't be surprised if they deploy him in the middle as well. I know Angus Crichton can play there, but Talakai is just one aggressive customer, quite low to the ground as well. So I think if he does have a stint in the middle, he could really trouble the opposition. And in that number 17 jersey, he's definitely someone that I'm worried about as a Queenslander. In the extended reserves for the Blues, Jack Whiten, 18th man, and Dale Finucane called into the squad. Of course, we saw Jordan McLean originally named at prop, but suffered a hamstring issue. 
That saw Jacob Saifidi brought into the team and Dale Finucane in the extended reserves. He is a proven performer and if for some reason he's called upon to play in this game, well, Blues fans will not be sweating at all. This guy is Mr. Consistency and yeah, everyone in that Blues team, they've spoken about how they they wanted him there. So Dale Finucane, he's definitely not out because there's a core group of players that allegedly don't like him, unlike other middle forwards, which, uh, yeah, it's hard to tell what's like News Corp fuckery and what actually has some truth to it. But I'll jump onto that situation in a moment. But those were the teams right there. Of course, the biggest news is Cameron Munster and Murray Lungi out, Corey Oates and Tom Dearden in. So that's massive. Like Queensland have lost their best player, the equivalent of New South Wales losing a Nathan Cleary or a James Tedesco. Or in fact, even back in the day, the equivalent of Queensland losing someone like a Wally Lewis or a Darren Lockyer. So it cannot be understated just how big this loss is. And Queensland, they're going to be a totally different side without the money man. He is their guy. He's that X factor. He provides that little bit of oomph, or not even a little bit, a lot of oomph when it's required. We saw as much in game one. We saw it in the 2020 series where he absolutely just had a series for the ages. So Cameron Munster, that is a major loss. Queensland, not only were they gonna miss him or are they gonna miss him during the preparation and during the actual week of getting ready for the game, but they are definitely gonna miss him once that siren sounds and the game gets underway. You can't replace someone like Cameron Munster. So it is going to be very, very interesting as to how the Queensland Maroons decide to combat that and what the makeup of their spine is. Now, there is all the talk that Tom Dearden will start in the number six jersey, which in itself, what a redemption arc. Much like Corey Oates, Oates and Dearden, here are two players that this time last year were players that were scarred. Scarred from the poor form of the Broncos and they looked like... I don't know, they didn't look like they were going to be in the Origin Arena this year. I'll put it that way, especially Tom Dearden, who is flourishing under that Cowboys system. Todd Payton getting the best out of a young half who had plenty of praise coming through the grades, but he was thrown into the deep end at the Broncos, wearing that number seven jersey for a point of time as well. So he was copping a lot of pressure for the results, which at the time for Brisbane, very, very poor. Similar to Corey Oates, although I think his form kind of contributed to that a little bit more than a young rookie like Tom Dearden. So both of them definitely carrying their scars from last season and the couple of seasons before. But now they are here in that Queensland setup. Huge recall for Corey Oates and for Tom Dearden. What a coming of age. What a redemption arc to see a young player who struggled so badly at the back end of last year to turn it around in such a quick space of time. It shows you how good this kid really is. And a part of that has been Chad Townsend's rival at the Cowboys. So with Dearden wearing that number six, we've seen him embrace his running game. The organizational side of things has been taken care of by the captain, Chad Townsend. And it's gonna be similar here. We've got the captain, Daly Cherry Evans. He is that perfect organizing halfback. He'll fulfill all those duties, the kicking, ordering the team around the park. And that's gonna allow Tom Dearden to just run the ball and to play what he sees in front of him. So I think it's a good combination, but it is a lot of pressure to put on the young kid at the same time. 
Thankfully, he's going to have the Queensland fans behind him, so a little bit less daunting than if he were to make his debut in Sydney. And yeah, it's very, very interesting, especially this talk around what is the makeup of the spine. Right now, they've got Ben Hunt starting in the dummy half position, Dearden in the six, DCE seven, and Ponga at fullback. But there's been a lot of talk that maybe they shift Ben Hunt into the 5'8 jersey and they start Harry Grant with Tom Dearden coming off the bench. I'm not too sure about that. Like, I know Ben Hunt, he's one of Queensland's leaders. He's one of their most proven performers. But for me, he's a halfback and an excellent dummy half. Not so much a 5'8. And that's not to say he can't come in and absolutely turn the game on its head because he can. Um, But I think, I don't know. The coaching staff would definitely know better than I would. But I think if you've got Dearden there, he'd be better utilized in his natural position in the six. Start Ben Hunt in the number nine, bring Harry Grant on. And if you want, then I'd say maybe move Ben Hunt into the halves. But a lot of question marks surrounding that. We're going to have to wait and see tomorrow what lineup Billy Slater decides to roll with. But huge congratulations to Corey Oates and Tom Dearden. And commiserations to Cam Munster and Murray Taolangi. Get well soon, fellas. As for the Blues, the biggest debate around selection, there's been a couple. Um, We had the centres, of course. Matt Burton and Stephen Crichton retaining their spots. A lot of talk about Jack Whiten getting back in there, given that he was the Blues' best player in Game 1. He's been named in the 18th man jersey. And Latrell Mitchell as well. One game in like what was it nine weeks 12 weeks i can't even fucking remember but a lot of talk about do they bring latrell in he decided to rule himself out i thought that was quite admirable and he's going to be focusing on the rabbitohs season which for south sydney fans they will be stoked because they need everything to go their way if they want to push to get back to the grand final so i really like that from latrell mitchell he has full confidence in the remaining or the incumbent rather centers that are in the team And in the end, that was one of the biggest debates. And Freddie has decided to keep the centers that got the job done so well in game two. Another point of contention, Regan Campbell-Gillard. Now, we saw him play. He actually started in game one, was dropped for game two. And there were already some question marks around that, but they ended up winning, so it was all okay. And then Payne Haas picks up an injury, and it just seems like the logical option is for RCG to come back into the side. That doesn't happen. A a bit of an interesting selection on the surface. Freddie decides to go for Jordan McLean, who at the start of this year, there were talks that the Cowboys weren't even going to offer him a contract beyond this year. Like he, he wasn't playing that same football that we saw him play as a Melbourne Storm Premiership winner and as an Australian Kangaroos representative. So Jordan McLean, that was an interesting one. Of course, he has proved all the critics wrong this year, having an outstanding season on both sides of the ball. But yeah, that definitely raised some eyebrows, Jordan McLean getting selected over Regan Campbell-Gillard. But you could see at different points why they went that way, especially given how the Cowboys have been playing this year. But then, the interesting part, we see Jordan McLean go down with a hamstring injury and... Freddie Fittler opts to bring Jacob Saifiti from the extended reserves into the starting squad for his debut. He's never played in Origin before. He hasn't been tested at that level. Now he's going to get thrown in right in the very deep end of Suncorp Stadium. 
And then all of a sudden, plenty of talk. Why is Regan Campbell-Gillard not getting selected? And that is not to discredit the work that Jacob Saifiti has done to get selected here. But yeah, it was definitely a curious one. We've since seen reports, which as I'm going to say, like it's hard to tell how much of it is just News Corp fuckery trying to like drive the narrative and how much of this actually holds truth to it because sometimes where there's smoke, there is fire and there's been plenty of talk that maybe Regan Campbell-Gillard left out of the team given or put down to a poor relationship with the Penrith Panthers contingent in that side. Now, let's not forget Regan Campbell-Gillard, a Penrith Panthers junior, came through the grades with all these boys. But the back end of his time at the Panthers, pretty average form. He was coming off the bench, didn't seem very happy. And I don't know the nitty gritty of what was actually happening, but it seems like a bit of an unceremonious exit. So it seems like the way that he left the Panthers kind of rubbed some people the wrong way. They felt like he wasn't trying toward the end there. And yeah, just kind of went in to bat for himself. So that is interesting. If that is true, we don't have any confirmation that it is. No one's come out and denied it either, though. So that is interesting, whether Regan Campbell-Gillard, what the go is with that debacle. Maybe we'll find out more as the weeks go on. But that was usually I don't like to kind of lean into these media narratives that are, you know more like a woman's weekly gossip column but this this definitely seems like it could hold some weight to it so i would be interested there is the other theory that freddie is just going for players of a different style and that regan campbell gillard doesn't kind of fit or suit the way that freddie wants the side to play but very interesting if it does turn out that this panthers situation is legit We'll have to wait and see on that, but Regan Campbell-Gillard, not in the side. Probably the biggest omission uh, when you look at Game 3. Quite literally, biggest bopper uh, to be left out. So Jacob Saifidi, though, he will get his chance to debut. And look, let's hope he goes well, although as a Queensland fan, kind of hope he goes shit, although you don't, you know, it's his debut. I don't want him to, you know, have the worst time. He's in the front row. I hope maybe Cleary has a shit game. I don't know. Now I'm getting carried away. But uh, Jacob Saifidi, congrats on your debut. Now let me get to the key battle for this game. That is going to be in the halfback position, no doubt. Not only is this the key battle for this game, but you better believe Mel Meninga's eyes are going to be fixated on this. Given that we have the World Cup at the end of the year, Daly Cherry Evans, the incumbent halfback, there's a chance he may hold on to that spot as well. Up against Nathan Cleary, who pretty much everyone, any reasonable rugby league fan, believes that Nathan Cleary should be the one wearing that Australian Kangaroos number seven jersey come the World Cup. So, look, it's very, very interesting. The winner of this, you'd have to say, they put themselves in pole position to claim that number seven come the World Cup time. And as far as the actual context of this game, we all know halfbacks carry such a major importance to getting their side over the line, directing their guys around the park, and as well as the kicking game. The kicking game cannot be understated. If your kicking game isn't on, then all of a sudden, all your hard work during the week can come undone. So I've got DC up against Cleary. For Cherry Evans, he hasn't had the greatest origin run, to be fair. He's had some cracking games, but 
As far as actual series wins, he doesn't have a lot to add to his resume. Of course, hard act to follow coming in after Jonathan Thurston, as well as Cooper Cronk and the like, so... Hard shoes to f- fucking fill. Sorry, that was a rogue F-bomb. Um, but there is some kind of pressure on Daily Chervens, no doubt. You've got young guys such as Tom Dearden, and even to an extent, I know he's not quite there yet, but Sam Walker, and we've seen the Queensland Maroons not afraid to bring some new faces into the mix. So for Cherry Evans, this is a really, really big game. I still think he'll be there next year as the halfback. He is the captain, but there will be questions raised if the Maroons aren't victorious here. Cherry Evans, the halfback and the captain. So with those responsibilities, naturally comes pressure, naturally comes criticism. And for Cherry Evans, if he can have a huge game here, well, that is going to take a lot of the criticism away. And it's also going to hold him in very good stead to claim that Kangaroos number seven jersey. For the Blues, Nathan Cleary, we all know how much importance he has. He's the goal kicker. He's that marquee man. It's his side, essentially. He's the one with the keys, and he's the one who makes the decisions. So this is no doubt going to be the key battle. Nathan Cleary fucking unanimously got the win in Game 2, whilst you could say Cherry Evans the better halfback in Game 1. So not only are the sides one apiece, I believe the halfbacks are one apiece. And in my key battle, I believe in a very close game where it could be won and lost is that number seven jersey. So plenty of eyes on Cherry Evans, plenty of eyes on Cleary. And the other key battle for me is that middle forward rotation. We've got Josh Papali'i who he's been playing limited minutes, but under the instructions of go as hard as you can for as long as you can and then have a break once you're ready. So Papali'i, we know he's going to be absolutely tearing shit up. Lindsay Collins, he has been phenomenal since coming back from injury this year. And on the other side, you have Jacob Saifiti. What a tough ask to debut in the front row, Suncorp Stadium, the cauldron for the Blues. Look, it's a big, big ask. But Jacob Saifiti, I think he's going to be up to it. Alongside Jake Trebojevic, the best defender in the game. Then in the lock forwards, you've got Isaiah Yo and Tino Fasua Malawe, who present a different skill set to each other. Uh, Fasua Malawe, a bit more of a front rower, whereas Yo, definitely that modern day ball playing lock. So that battle in the middle is going to be really, really quality. And then you look at the bench, you've got a guy like Patrick Carrigan coming off the pine, as well as for the Blues, Junior Paolo. So. Whilst the halfbacks, they're going to be controlling the team, directing their side around the park, they're not going to be able to do very much unless their middle forwards can get on the front foot. So those are my two key battles for this one. And another key battle, tactically. Let's not forget the coaches here. Two origin greats in their own right. You've got Billy Slater leading the Maroons. Up against Freddie Fittler, who in his short time with the Blues has done some incredible stuff. And there's been criticisms of him whenever they lose. But as a Queensland fan, like, I I definitely feel that Freddie Fittler is doing a significantly better job than some of the guys that came before him. Albeit that they were fantastic coaches. But Freddie's got the right idea. I really like the way that he presents the Blues side. It's not like the side that lost eight in a row where they kind of stuck with the same people and they weren't going for players on form. They were trying to figure out which players can like contain this Queensland side. 
Whereas Freddie, he's much more form-orientated. He picks the guys who are playing well. And in, at the end of the day, that's what representative footy should all be about. So that's a great battle there. The coaches. Another side note, uh, just quickly, Brian Toto electing to play for Samoa. Seen a lot of... Um, seen a lot of conjecture around that about yeah um like how he should play for australia and how it's going to ruin the fabric of the game if he plays for samoa which i just think that's stupid so yeah that's my take on that part um if brian toto a samoan from new south wales who played his junior footy in new south wales wants to play for both uh then he can i don't know i think it's it's not the same game that it was at the start of Origin, that was a very, very Anglo-Saxon-based game. Like, pretty much the entire competition was made up of an Anglo-Saxon background. Whereas now, more diverse than ever, and hugely reliant on the Pacific nations and the talents that they bring, including Samoa. So, I think it's just reflective of where the game is now. And I think, I mean, I'm fucking, I was born in New Zealand and I would consider myself a Queenslander. I support Queensland. I lived there. I felt like a Queenslander. So yeah, I just don't think it's that outrageous to suggest um, that you can play for Samoa and also be a New South Welshman. And if this is something that affects you or is really altering your mood, um, if you have a bathroom, maybe just go flick the light on. Have a look in the mirror and just take a good hard look at yourself. If this seriously bothers you that much, if you think it's going to like ruin the fabric of the game, have a good hard look at yourself. Now, let's get on to something I spoke about in the Game 2 preview, the Penrith Panthers connection. Now, that ended up being a massive, massive part of Game 2. And it was the biggest talking point. It was the thing in the preview that I spoke most at length about And that was just like Penrith are head and shoulders above everyone else in the competition right now. Everyone. So it makes total sense to have plenty of Panthers in that Blues side. And the combinations are right there. They are absolutely there. You've got Matt Burton and Brian Toto, who together they won a premiership as a combination. You've got Luai and Cleary with Isaiah Yo as that link man. Api Korosau, nobody touches the ball more than the dummy half. When he looks to his left, he's got Luai, he's got Burton, he's got Brian Toto, he knows exactly how they play, as well as Liam Martin as well. Then he looks to his right, he's got Nathan Cleary, he's got Stephen Crichton, he's got Isaiah Yo, and yeah, everywhere he looks, he's got blokes who know the way that he plays his game, he knows the way that they like to play their game, when do they want the ball, When's it a better time to go to Cleary? Or when's it a good time maybe to shift it to Luai and let him take things over to the left? So the Penrith-Panthers combinations cannot be understated. Although for the Maroons now, seeing a bit of a Cowboys connection here with Tom Dearden, if he does start in the 5'8 jersey, having Valentine Holmes on his outside, and then you swing over to the right and you've got someone like Jeremiah Nanai, as well as Tom Gilbert on the bench. So... Bit of a Cowboys flavor too, but the Penrith Panthers connection, that is my biggest takeaway from the two sides. And once again, I do think it's going to come into play. These Panthers guys, like I know only two sides in history from the New South Wales Blues have ever won a deciding game in Queensland. But these Panthers boys are just different. They, like, they don't strike me as the kind of guys 
they care about records or history, not to say that in a disrespectful way, but I really don't think they're going to be phased. They, they're not the team. They weren't the teams over all these years that have lost the game three deciders. Different blokes, different teams. So I, I don't think they're going to be that phased by it. And I think this Penrith Panthers combination is very, very dangerous. So Billy Slater, no doubt, going to be looking at how he can kind of shut that down in the best way possible. Although looking at the NRL, not a lot of great examples on how to do that. The Parramatta Eels, the only side who've been able to do it this year. And do you really want to study the Parramatta Eels? Like you want to start taking notes from those guys, same guys who lost to the Tigers earlier this season, same guys who got thumped by the Bulldogs. Like maybe not, maybe not. But um, yeah, like it's hard. How do you how do you stop this Panthers contingent? Because if you look from 2020 to now, I mean, very few sides have done it. Melbourne Storm with Cam Smith in that grand final, one of the few putting a lot of kick pressure on Cleary. So the key seems to be taking Cleary out of his game. In that same token, though, then you've got Matt Burton who can just put up these absolutely nightmarish bombs for the back three to catch. And you've got Jerome Luai as well. So... That is of a major interest. How are they going to shut down Cleary? And if they do, what have the Blues got as a plan B? I believe Matt Burton makes the most sense. So, look, it's going to be one hell of a game. Very, very keen for this one. I won't keep you much longer. As I said, let's make this a bit of a shorter preview. I've got my point of difference here, uh, as I do normally in the NRL previews. And my point of difference for this one, that is the Queensland faithful at Suncorp Stadium. I mean, the aura, the atmosphere around Queensland when it is origin time is just something else. And if this is a tight game and if both sides are just looking for that little bit of an energy boost or a morale boost, well, the Queensland side are going to get that in the form of their loud home fans. They are rowdy. They are uncompromising, unwavering. And they get behind their team as hard as any supporter base I've seen. So my definite point of difference in this is the Queensland fans and Lang Park, the cauldron. It's going to be one hell of a game. Probably going to drink a hell of a lot of 4X gold. Um, and do expect a thoughts and comments podcast. I'll, I will look at doing a live reactions podcast to all the action. I know I said that in game two. Um the beers got the better of me this time, they will not. So thoughts and comments, keep your ears out for that podcast. My most valuable player in this one, he's in the Queensland side with no Cameron Munster. We need a bit of magic, a bit of um, marquee money magic. And Kalen Ponga, he's the next best thing to Cameron Munster. He showed some definite glimpses of magic in game two as well. We're seeing the fruits of his work alongside Billy Slater. And we're definitely going to need that little bit of magic. So Kalen Ponga is my most valuable player for Queensland. And look, what a series it's been so far. What a decider it's going to be. For Queensland, if they had a win without Cameron Munster, this could top their 2020 series win. This is a really big deal. I know they love the backs-to-the-wall underdog stuff. And if New South Wales are to win a series or win this series, then all of a sudden, I mean... Dynasty may be a bit of a reach, but all of a sudden the pendulum has definitely swung in favor of the Blues. So look, a hell of a lot is on the line. It is going to be one hell of a game, as I've said probably like 40 times 
We know the Blues are going to target Tom Dearden if he's out there. That is definitely something to keep an eye on. And look, the Blues are going to be hoping to become the first New South Wales side since 2005's team to win a series decider in Queensland. If I had to pick a pretty formidable Blues side that can get it done, I'd pick this one. I would genuinely pick this one. So with that being said, I told you this was going to be a pretty short preview. So now let me get to my prediction. Is it bias? Fucking oath. I'm going to be taking the Queensland Maroons. Low confidence levels on this. I will not be putting the house on it. But, you know, I feel like if you're a Queenslander, you're going for Queensland here. If you're a Blues fan, you think the Blues are going to win. And look, Suncorp, that swung the favour for me. I am going to take the Queensland Maroons. Not a heap of confidence in it, but I'll be cheering them on. So it makes total sense to throw the weight of my prediction behind the team as well. So, look, hopefully you enjoyed the podcast. Just a quick one to get you keen for Origin. Don't forget, tomorrow I'll be releasing the NRL Weekly Preview, so I'll be looking at all of the games coming up in the NRL fixtures this weekend. But until then, that has been it from me today. Just a bit of a uh, rundown on the Origin Decider ahead of us tomorrow night. And now with that being said, it is time to focus our attention on the game itself. So thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Go the Maroons. I'm taking Queensland to win here. But the Blues, this this looks like a very likely Blues side to become only the third team in history to win a decider at Suncorp. So, look, with that being said, this has been the Origin 3 preview. And until tomorrow night, take care of yourselves and most definitely enjoy the footy.